verse 9. Now, when he had spoken this, Jesus, when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You know, faith in his resurrection, faith in the resurrection of Christ was foundational to the early church. They knew it without question. But I want you to consider this. The official position of the Jewish leaders at the time, they released an official position that the disciples had came in the middle of the night and stole Jesus' body from the tomb. We find that in Matthew chapter 28. That was the official Jewish response. They said, Jesus came, or Jesus, well, his body was, was, uh, was stolen in the middle of the night. Here's the problem with stealing the body. Let me share a couple of things with you. You know, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 65, Pilate said to them, listen to this, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. Now, let's take that, let's, let's, let's just assume that they did exactly what Pilate said. Pilate said to do what? You make sure that that tomb is sealed. You make it as secure as you know how. I want you to understand, what is, what is going on here? What type of guards are we talking about? Well, we're talking about Roman guards. We're talking about the, the Praetorian guard. We're talking about guards who were the elite special forces of Rome. These are not, this is not Barney Five standing, standing guard outside the tomb, right? This is not some, you know, small town, just didn't have anything better. These are well-trained, armed soldiers. And what did Pilate say? He says, you have a guard, and I want you to make it as secure as you know how. He's saying, you take above and beyond measures to make sure that this tomb is secure, that no one gets in or out. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. Now consider this. Every passion play that you go to, every time you go see this passion play, whether you saw one uh, on, on TV or went to go see one, uh, you know, a passion play where it you know, shows you the things of Jesus, and they always have the guards standing, standing outside the tomb. How many guards in every play do they have standing outside the tomb? Two. Two. Let me assure you, there were more than two guards. <laughs> How do I know that? I know that because there are sources that tell us uh, what a Roman guard looked like, what a Roman guard was made up of, and what the typical Roman guard uh, that would be assigned in this sense would look like. So when Pilate says, you have the guard that you need, go, go your way, make it as secure as you know how, a Roman guard of this, of this sort would consist of anywhere from four minimum, four, to as many as 16, okay? So you can have, if you have a guard at your disposal, and it could be anywhere from four to 16 people, 
And Pilate himself said to you, make it as secure as you know how. How many soldiers are you going to take with you? Sixteen. You're not going to have the two from the Passion Place. You're not going to take the minimum, right? You're going to do what? You're going to make it as secure as you know how. You're going to take 16 guards with you and stand outside this tomb and make sure no one gets in and out. Now, let's consider that for a minute. So what was their narrative? Uh, the, the disciples came. The disciples came. They stole him in the middle of the Well, how did that happen? Well, we were sleeping. We were sleeping, see? Okay. Well, consider this. Uh, there is a guy, let me, let me make sure his name, Polybius. Polybius is a Greek historian that was, uh, that wrote about the things of, um, like the Roman guards and things like that. And he, he was, I want to say somewhere around 180 to 200 BC. So he's a couple hundred years before Jesus. But even though it's a couple hundred years beforehand, it gives us some insight into the thinking of what a Roman guard did in act life. So it's a first primary source of what would happen. In fact, he writes about what would happen if a guard fell asleep while on duty. And so Polybius tells us that. So we have pre-Jesus, pre, you know, historically, what was the standard? What was the expectation? And basically it was this. If someone fell asleep while they were on duty, the, re the other guards were to kill them. They were to take out the, the clubs, they were to take out stones, and they were to execute him for falling asleep. Some sources, this is not Polybius, but other sources have said that if one soldier is found falling asleep and the other soldiers allowed it, then all of the guard would be executed. Now, that's, that's, that's a pretty strong motivator. If you've got 16 guys and you're standing guard of this tomb and one of them gets, you know, is on the nods, you know what on the nods are? Yeah, we get those in church all the time. I've seen you. Uh, you're on the nods. You know, the head goes down. It's, uh, it's back up. That's the, on the nods. And one of those guys, if one of those guys is on the nods, you know what's happening? I'm going to take that bayonet and go tap him a little bit. Hey, <laughs> next time it won't be so soft, right? You know, if you know, you're, you're either you're, you're a friend of mine, you're a soldier, a fellow soldier, you're either going to fall asleep and we're going to have to execute you, or we potentially all could be executed. So there's motivation there to do what? Never fall asleep. And you're going to tell me that under penalty of death, all 16 soldiers fell asleep and were not awakened when a ragtag group of disciples shows up and moves a gigantic stone and not one of the 16 woke up during that moving of the stone. Can you imagine? It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't pass the smell test, does it? It doesn't make sense. There's no way that you could get past all those soldiers and move that stone and they remain asleep and no, no. No, not unless, not unless there was some divine intervention here where something else happened. Something, something much more significant. You know, uh, a lot of times, and by the way, you think about this, this is why, you know, if, if it was under penalty of death, this is why a lot of soldiers, they would actually fall upon their own sword. 
because here's what would happen. And Polybius tells us this. Polybius says, if the whole guard, if all of them are guilty of abandoning their post and they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then like typically if one of them does it, the rest of the guard executes them. But if all of them abandon their post, then two things happen. The first is before they're executed, that's the second thing, before they're executed, they're brought in before everyone and paraded before them and, and humiliated as cowards. These are cowards. And we're going to parade them and show you what a coward looks like. This is, and they would, have taken, they would have taken 16 of these guys, lined them up and said, we want you to see what a coward looks like. And here they are. These are cowards. They abandoned their post. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. And then they would kill them. So a lot of soldiers, rather than face the humiliation of being paraded through uh, and being called coward, they would do what? They would just take their own life. They would just fall on their own sword. They would do everything that they could just to avoid that. They knew death was imminent either way, so they just figured at least avoid the humiliation. But you know what? None of those soldiers were executed. In fact, the leaders were like, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll handle it. We'll take care of it. Scriptures tell us that you know, they were fearful. They were fearful of death. Scriptures tell us that. And then the leaders were also saying, you don't worry. We'll handle it. Now, why would they do that? Because they knew it was all fabricated. They knew that they were telling a story. They knew the disciples didn't come. They knew the disciples didn't come and steal that body. They weren't going to see these, these men. They were okay with Jesus, an innocent man dying. But they weren't going to make that happen to these soldiers. So here's the question, right? This question we ask ourselves often. What, is that, what does all that mean for us? Well, first of all, there is sufficient there is sufficient and reliable, trustworthy proof of the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, reasonable, trustworthy evidence of his resurrection. In fact, I would put it this way. Those who reject the resurrection of Christ are simply ignoring the infallible proofs. Because it's so obvious if you haven't seen the movie The Case for Christ, let me encourage you to do it. That was the, the intent of, of the, um, the news reporter. He was going to look, look at, at trying to disprove the resurrection of Christ. And the more he looked at it, the more he realized this is true. This is overwhelmingly. There's so much evidence here. And the resurrection of Christ is just as essential of a belief for our church today as it was the beginning of the church. In fact, I would say this, it is incompatible to call yourself Christian and then reject the resurrection of Christ.